WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Low Tide here on 90.7 The Capstone and streaming online on the TuneIn app. That's kind of fun to say for the first time. It's bizarro world here in Tuscaloosa. You've got uh, Nick Saban, no longer the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. You've got Roll Tide Willie going on official visits. And Nick Dunlap just won a PGA Tour event as an amateur. 33 years it has been since the last player to win on the PGA Tour as an amateur. That man, Phil Mickelson. I think you're joining uh, pretty good company anyway. Uh, welcome in here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, immediate reactions from the two of you. I know you, you're not super uh, big golf fans, but even y'all have to um, appreciate how crazy this is. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I, I don't, like you said, don't really watch a ton of golf, but. Um when I, I saw yesterday that it was going to be Nick Dunlap and uh, Justin Thomas teaming or um, paired up together on the final round, I thought that was kind of a must or a can't miss event for uh, Alabama sports fans. So I, 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 I had to tune in, had to keep up with it. And yeah, just uh, just an incredible story. Yeah, my updates just came from Nick every time he would post on Twitter or something. <laughs> I always love it when an Alabama athlete does something, either while they're still here professionally or they're technically still here just competing as an amateur on the PGA Tour. So, you know, it was it was great. I'm glad that Nick Saban only cursed one golfer after his uh, call in to the broadcast. Um, I did see that where um, as soon as he said that – Justin Thomas was going to have a good year. He hits one into the water. But Nick Dunlap, champion again. Yeah, wild. Um, I mean, it's only been, what, a few months since he was able to win um, the U.S. Amateur. Uh, Probably might might have been longer than a few months. But uh, he is now the fifth amateur to win on the PGA Tour since 1940 uh, and the first since uh, Phil Mickelson in 1991. Um, that final hole, uh, one-shot lead. Uh, he thought he had a two-shot lead. Uh, no leaderboards out there. But um, kind of misses his drive out to the right. Um, faced with a tough shot. Uh, plays it way out to the right, thinking he's got a two-shot lead. Plays it super safe. Um, got a tough chip. Gets up, uh, Chips it up there about six feet and just dead center. Nails it to win. Um, unbelievable. Like... I mean, I think when you win a U.S. Amateur, you know, that takes some guts to be able to do that. But to win on the PGA Tour as an amateur, the only amateur in the field this week, um, that's just insane. So now a very interesting decision coming up for Nick Dunlap. Obviously, so many things come with uh, winning on the PGA Tour. Um even as an amateur now he's not going to win any prize money and he won't get any fedex cup points towards the you know the season-long race um regardless of even if he turns pro immediately uh so the second place uh player for the week actually gets the winner's share of the purse which has got to feel great um that's a pretty good consolation prize um so dunlap uh 
has a two-year exemption uh, on the PGA Tour now that he can take up uh, at any time during the 2024 uh, season, and I believe he can even take it up next year, uh, and then he would be exempt uh, for the two years after he takes it in. Um, he has exemptions into all the signature events, um, which are the bigger money events on the PGA Tour, the premier, uh, basically any tour event he wants to play in this year, uh, he can play in if he was to turn pro. Um, and then he currently has exemptions into the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship as the winner of the 2023 USAM. Um, now, his exemptions into the Masters and the Open uh, are dependent on him remaining uh, an amateur. But if he turns pro, uh, his win there still gets him into the Masters, and it also gets him into the PGA Championship. Um, the U.S. Open still allows the U.S. Amateur Champion to play, uh, even if he was to turn professional, but he does lose that spot uh, in the Open Championship. Um, so a very interesting uh, decision coming up here for Nick Dunlap, and obviously I'm sure he's not going to make that decision anytime soon. Uh, he's got basically a free ticket to the PGA Tour now, um, and yeah. not to mention every sponsor's exemption he could ever want because when you win on the PGA Tour as an amateur, you step into legendary status. I mean um, – it's it's hard to put into words how insane that is um i can't even make i can't even do it justice especially to win on the modern pga tour um today's pga tour but uh, a very interesting decision coming up for him um joe what would you do what what if you had to make the I'm, decision i mean like i think it would be very cool uh, well like again i'm not exactly maybe the best guy to ask for this because um, I, I don't really follow golf a whole whole lot so but let me let me put this out there for you so the events um that so as the winner uh, as a winner on the pga tour he has uh, he can get into the signature events this year uh, which have 20 million dollar purses yeah see that um, sounds pretty good now the winner's not going to get 20 million but you uh, I think four four million to the okay. winner of those events. Some yeah. some serious money uh, on the table. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. That is like generational money, just just to get it, especially off of, or essentially off the back of this one really impressive win. So, I mean, that's probably what I do. I, I'm also of the opinion though that you know he's eligible for all these kind of professional things and and um, you know go out and and play against the best. You might not. I mean, I doubt he's going to put up these types of performances every single time he steps up to the tee. But uh, I think any chance you can to put yourself against the the best of the best, and especially in a game like golf where it's very – it can be very individual at times just to kind of get that mental part of it, um, you know, where you are playing against, you know, top-ranked players all around. That's, that's what I do, just go out and uh, try to win a portion of that 4 million or 20 million. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think, you know, I, I really like how, how well he's been able to perform, right? And obviously, everybody likes it. But is he 
<laughs> is he doing too well? You know, mm. I'm not being serious with that. Obviously, you want to win all you can. I just feel like now the people that haven't been paying attention to golf at all, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have a golfer that won the amateur, you know, won this PGA Tour. Now it's like, oh, if he doesn't win every time, you know, it's a failure. And <laughs> it's kind of like how we were talking about what are the expectations for football this year, you know, now that Nick Saban's gone. And, like, I know it's it's different. But that's the first thing I thought of is, like, the moment he doesn't win, everybody's going to be like, oh, this guy's a bust. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, he definitely becomes the second most legendary Nick uh, at the University. <laughs> University of Alabama, yeah. um, which you know, obviously the first one's a, a tough bar. You know, you probably yeah. have to win a couple majors to uh, <laughs> pass up Nick yeah. Saban. But um, yeah, it's a it's a crazy decision that he's got ahead of him. I think most likely, I would be shocked if he didn't turn professional. Uh, but I will say it does make it interesting uh, now with NIL in play. Um, because, you know, there is nothing stopping him from signing an endorsement deal with, you know, a club company like tailor-made or something very similar. There is nothing stopping him from getting, you know, yeah, yeah millions of dollars yeah. in NIL, which when you're the first amateur to win in 33 years on the PGA Tour, I would imagine some crazy opportunities are yeah, going to come I, I don't know mm -hmm. if, if you all have seen it, but, you know, a lot of the, the bigger NIL deals have been, you know, from, you know, different uh, ba uh, basketball players, female basketball players, uh, gymnasts. And it, it's weird because we always think of it in, in football terms and stuff, but a lot of the, the bigger deals have been other sports. So now if he does decide to stay in college and just try to go the NIL route, which you would not expect a golfer to make a lot of NIL in college, now there's that opportunity because of how successful he has been to actually become like the lead guy for the sport and – it would actually be a legit NIL deal and not just, you know, some people throwing money into a pot and giving it to them. So it would actually yeah. be like a sponsorship with one of these uh, golf companies. Yeah, cra crazy stuff. Some interesting things um, that I should mention. Literally yesterday, in Saturday's round, he shot 60 on the PGA Tour, which is insane. But what's even crazier is that a lot of – this is a fun fact about Nick Dunlap. He shot 59 when he was 12 years old. That is, like, unreal. Like, I think they, they were interviewing his, his dad on TV, and he said, like, yeah, I think I kind of I kind of knew he was going to be special when he shot 59 at 12, which, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I should hope. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to break 100, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, like I mentioned, first amateur to win on tour since Phil. Uh, second youngest winner on tour in the last 90 years. He's 20 years old, which is just unreal. And he's the only player ever to win the U.S. Junior Am, the U.S. Amateur, and a PGA Tour event as an amateur. When does um, uh, Live Golf come, Colin? <laughs> don't even bring that up. Don't even bring that up. Um, but, yeah, just an, an unbelievable thing. And I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter um, the video of uh, that Cannon Claycomb posted of uh, the golf team. all the golf team mm -hmm. watching in the van when it happened. Uh, I don't think there might have been anybody more excited on the planet except for maybe Dunlap himself uh, at that moment than the Alabama golf team. Uh, so shout out to them. Shout out to Nick Dunlap for an unbelievable job. I mean, it's... I'm yeah. still in shock. 
yeah, that, that it actually happened. Definitely a pretty big highlight of uh, Alabama sports this weekend. There's been a lot of negativity around the Alabama athletics and, and especially about how many players are just leaving. So it's nice to see one uh, go out on top or, or, or get on top, I guess. With the, with yeah, it needed games. some positivity. Anyway, uh, we're going to go to break. Uh, when we come right back, we're going to have to unfortunately talk about uh, the mass exodus of players from uh, Alabama football when we come back here on 90.7. This show is a sports production of WVUAFM 90.7, a division of student media at the University of Alabama. Support us by leaving a review, rating, or following us on X at WVUAFM Sports. Back in, ladies and gentlemen, to the low tide here on 90.7, the capstone and streaming live on TuneIn. Um, from championships to heartbreak, uh, it's been a tough scene uh, for Alabama football, for Alabama fans recently. Uh, a number of players um, hitting the transfer portal and going elsewhere. Probably the uh, most frightening of all being Caleb Downs, uh, who has, I believe, committed to Ohio State uh, as of now, uh, following, (laughs) I guess he's chasing Bill O'Brien, whether that's a... This, uh, He'll get a lot thought. of opportunities on defense. <laughs> so we'll see. O- Ohio State was smart. They knew they were bringing in Bill O'Brien, so they were like, let's bring in the best safety in America. Got to spend let's that be- money. Let's beef up the defense, yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, go down the list. A uh, quick rundown of uh, the f- portal tracker for Alabama. Obviously, Isaiah Bond that we discussed before committed to Texas. Uh, Sean Murphy, uh, Desmond Ricks. Antonio Kite, Trey Amos going to Ole Miss. Uh, Amari Nyblack also going to Texas. Uh, Caleb Downs obviously going to Ohio State. Caden Proctor committed to Iowa. Some potential uh, tampering in there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Jameer Grimsley uh, and, sadly, Julian Stan, who many people saw as a perfect fit in DeBoer's offense. That one shocked And on top of, you know, the other guys that had already, you know, had entered the transfer board before Nick Saban retired, you know, like, you know, Roy Dell Williams going to Florida State and stuff. So it's just, you know, a lot of people leaving. Uh, Julian Sayan, uh his – you know, he, he, he enrolled early and then Nick Saban retires and he, he, he leaves. And, you know, Bill O'Brien was on the staff at Alabama when they had uh, were recruiting him in high school before his commitment. Uh, obviously, Bill O'Brien left, went to the NFL, and now he's going back to Ohio State. Uh, Caleb Downs, you know, that one. I heard a lot of people talking about him going to Ohio State, but I was still a little – I thought it was going to be Georgia, you know. You know, home state, obviously, you saw the clip of him and Kirby Smart after the SEC championship game, like on the field, and then they hire defense backs coach from Alabama to go over there. So all signs to me pointed out there, even with everybody saying Ohio State, and then he ends up going to Ohio State. Right, and I thought the same thing because I thought, well, you know, maybe trying to pull T-Rob back from Georgia was kind of the last-ditch effort because I thought it was almost a guarantee that he was going to go to Georgia. Um, but then all of a sudden committed to Ohio State um, I think it's safe to say that 
NIL has really, really changed things uh, in the modern era of college football. And mm-hmm. obviously, um, saying going to Ohio State as well, um, I can't. I still am in disbelief that they hired Bill O'Brien to be their offensive coordinator. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it counteracts it though. If we really think about <laughs> all the commitments that they're getting. Obviously, Downs doesn't play offense, but, I mean, saying going there, it's like, well, if he's Bryce Young, it might be cool. But If he can be, you know, at least somewhat to Bryce Young's collegiate level, which is, you know, he won a Heisman. It's a know, high bar. It's it's a very high bar, mm-hmm. but if if they think that he's the guy, maybe he can do the the Bryce Young, Bill O'Brien offensive. He can run around it. and <laughs> run around and throw it to a receiver deep. <laughs> Overcome yeah. the uh, the hurdle that is Bill O'Brien. The self made adversity at Ohio State. Uh, but also um, the the Caden Proctor one. At least you know when he had entered the portal, like. You know, we we saw the uh, the interview with him at the uh, basketball game where he was saying, you know, when I started struggling in the SEC, you know, they were always in contact with me, which you know could be tampering. You know, I'm not gonna. It's a tough look. I'm not gonna say it is yeah. or not. If maybe it was a slip, or maybe he just misspoke of how it was communicated. I don't know. People say everybody does do tampering now with the transfer portal. We'll see. I don't think anything's gonna happen, but. You know, some people were saying he might end up going, you know, somewhere else. Like, I always felt he was going back to Iowa because I did hear the report that he was kind of homesick. I don't know if it was also homesick. Nick Saban retired and he took the pay cut to come to Alabama. So, mm. you know, it could have been all of the above. Now he's back at Iowa. And I don't know if you saw the uh, the tweet from uh, Cole Kubelik uh, where he said his uh, offensive snaps are about to be cut in half. Yeah, with the Iowa offense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What another interesting thing? um, So, I'll I'll ask this. Right, I think I posed a very similar question on last week's episode. Are you worried about Kalen DeBoer's uh, recruiting uh, talents? Are we are we worried with this kind of sudden? mass exodus of players it feels like a lot of guys especially big name guys like saying like caleb downs um heading out is pretty wild especially considering that sam was an early signee so he had started classes here uh at the university and mm-hmm. classes have been going for a couple of weeks now so that decision obviously he, i mean i'm yeah. sure that weighed into it i can't believe it's sorry I, I'll, I'll answer your question i can't believe he had one day of class and found out nick saban retired <laughs> like his first day of class at the University of Alabama was was the day Nick Saban retired. That, that, that must have been tough. That's a tough scene for sure. But um, but to answer your question about De- DeBoer, I'm not. I mean, I'm not really worried because he hasn't put together a recruiting class. I mean, yeah, Alabama has. I think it's 30 guys that are leaving or transferring out. Um, but I mean, this is especially with the way college football is now. I mean, they have. Uh, five guys coming in according to uh, 24/7 Sports. They're expected to get, you know, he's uh, there's a German. Uh, I think it's Jermaine Bernard is expected to sign um, with Alabama from Washington. But DeBoer also just hasn't put together his recruiting class. You know, his first one at Alabama officially. I mean, we don't, you know, we we don't really know how good of. Uh, recruiter he is yet with Alabama's resources because essentially I mean we knew once Saban retired that 
these guys, you know, there was a tendency that, or there was an expectation that, a lot of, you know, there were going to be some guys that were leaving. Um, but I don't, I, I don't think it says anything bad on DeBoer. I just think it says stuff more on the way that college football is right now. is is very. It, it's hard to kind of keep the success that Alabama. Like if Nick Saban had retired four years ago or you know five years ago without NIL and you know without the the mass quantity of transfers um you know DeBoer could have kept this roster somewhat intact I mean maybe you would have had a guy who transferred the hard way and sat out a year or whatever but um you know this is it's not that you know DeBoer can't just keep a lot of these guys around and force them to play because they signed for Alabama on a national signing day I mean this is very different era like you said and I'm just waiting to to see a full recruiting class from him before I'm worried about him not being able to attract a lot of talent because you know the guys that he has gotten to come from Washington are are fairly good you know pretty pretty good players and um you know it's it It'll just be interesting to see how, like you said, or like we talked about, can he can he keep much, uh, whatever's left of the team, can he keep that and get them to buy in, even with a lot of these guys leaving? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I'm I'm still a little worried because of you know the big name guys there now because like we we had talked you know last week and it was i was saying i need to see the staff that he puts together who he's able to keep um all the people that had decommitted as well i know ryan williams he was back on an official visit looked like he had a good time hopefully he uh, recommits to alabama um the the people that he has coming in uh, from Washington, you know, the, the center wide receiver expected to come in. Uh, there's still more people. I know uh, the cornerback, uh, Jabbar. Muhammad. Yeah, Muhammad. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he, he's going to be on a visit. He's also taking a visit to Texas. So if Texas has more uh, Lamborghinis to go around, maybe they'll get him. Um, but, you know, he. I think the biggest issue, because I can't blame – you know the players you know you, you signed on to play for Dick Saban you also signed on to play for a specific coaching staff and hardly any of that staff's there now especially if you were an early signee you come in one day of class and it's gone now another thing that should be looked at is the NCAA like football schedule of why do you have a transfer portal and signing day like while the season's still going on why doesn't all that take place like after the season so like that first portal Alabama's getting ready for a playoff game so a bunch of other schools are able who might be playing in bowl games that they deem are meaningless you know you have a lot of opt-outs and stuff but then people are transferring in that early transfer portal so all those players have transferred they've chosen the schools they're going to go to Nick Saban retires then the portal opens up for every player at Alabama for 30 days there's still another portal in the spring mm-hmm. and um there's still another portal in the spring and maybe he'll bring in more players there maybe other schools whose coaches did not retire or leave for other jobs are looking at it and they want to transfer in but they can't until that spring portal also there are other you know high school players who will be trying to take their official visits back to Alabama or maybe they're trying to go elsewhere once everybody once this all like calms down and everybody is actually like hired on the staff out there recruiting I think it's going to be okay I just 
I still got to wait and see. Um, I know we did just have, um, you know, the the center from Washington, and a bunch of people yeah. are talking about his size. And right now, I think everybody in Alabama doesn't really care about his size as long as he can snap it to the proper level of the quarterback. The other thing too, uh, and I was. I'm going to say this cautiously because it's college football and, and guys develop later than others, but a lot of the very high-name guys that have left Alabama aren't exactly going to, like, Alabama, like, direct competition, if that kind of makes sense. I mean, there's there's not, you know, Proctor went to Iowa, Sayin and Downs went to Ohio State. I mean, these are not players that, you know, are going to be in, in teams that are going to be directly competing with Alabama in the SEC yet. Now, there are some that, you know, like Bond's going to Texas, Nyblack to Texas. Um, I think Trey Amos is at Ole Miss or, or, or is expected to be. So there are obviously going to be some um, kind of interconference transfers. But for the most part, like the guys that people were, were thinking are like the irreplaceables aren't exactly going to be dealing with, you know, Alabama's not going to have to deal with facing Caleb Downs unless it's a playoff game or a championship. Yeah, that, or, would, be, that would be the one thing, you know, we get yeah. to a semifinal or, a, like, oh, well, now, you know, you got more rounds. So Quarterfinal. Any time in the playoff, all of a sudden, whoever Alabama's quarterback is, you know, this year or the year after, during Downs' remaining eligibility in college, having to face yeah. potentially like I know this year you know he was at least the best freshman he might be you know the best defense player in college football yeah or if all the pessimists are right it'll be like the Birmingham Bowl between Alabama and Ohio State <laughs> we can give it a little respect with Music Bill, City with Come Bill O'Brien that's the OC you know that's okay yeah Music City but yeah, so getting back to if I'm personally worried about DeBoer his yeah, back to the main point. Keep them in, right? Um, you know, I, I'm kind of with you, Joe. Like, it really want to reserve judgment for the very first recruiting class that is truly his, that is not just half of, like, Nick Saban or a lot of guys that he was inheriting, so to speak. Um, it was always going to be tough to keep people here after the greatest college football coach of all time retires, okay? When you signed it, like – for saying right literally was here one day the very first day of class he found out that Nick Saban was not going to be his head coach anymore yeah that's tough um and you know if you're like one of those top guys if you're any of these guys you know when you're signing on to play for program you're like yeah I'm signing on to play with this coach and under you know these position coaches and for this opportunity and a lot of those things changed very quickly um so i i can't blame uh these guys for making those decisions and also that just goes without saying the whole nil issue um which obviously something is going to have to be done in college football unless we seriously just want this to become nfl free agency at times two it's year round yeah because even at least in the NFL free agency, right? There are restrictions about when you can talk to players, how you can talk to players, um, that sort of thing, right? The salary cap on how much players yeah. can have at your Spend, team. Yeah. Exactly. And in college football, we don't have any of that right now so it's just pure chaos i mean you know you've you can spend however much you've got uh to bring players in uh with really no restriction and if mm. you know assuming that proctor did not misspeak that is a very troubling situation uh something that i'm sure 
the people at Iowa were not thrilled about when he said that. Um, But, you know, I would not be surprised if literally everybody wasn't doing that. It's kind of like the whole, like, Mm sign-stealing thing with Michigan. It's like, can we really expect that, like, half the teams in college football aren't engaging in that sort of behavior? Yeah. Well, there was the one post I saw by uh, Josh Pate of CBS Sports and Blake Kick fame. Um, where he talked about, I think he put out this tweet, and it was this big red button, and it said, three-year bowl ban for any team guilty of tampering. And he's like, no team in the country would press this button because they all do it. Like, there's no team in the in America that would, you know, they all want to, tampering is one of those things in college football where when it hurts you, you're pointing fingers, but when you do it, it's no one talks about, you know, like you, everyone points the fingers at each other without saying, yeah, we're doing it, so. Well, nobody's going to throw the first stone, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, you know, it, it is pretty crazy what, what Proctor said, and, um, you know, it, it, it is pretty just absurd that you can do that <laughs> like just do that to a college kid but whatever uh, you know it's it's the name of the game now so yeah things are changing yeah, speaking just, of things changing did you guys see that apparently roll tide willie uh is helping out in the recruiting department now honestly uh, why not he's got <laughs> ryan williams on his visit here he's got him in the the blitz bamo blitz shirt which is just truly things that i never thought i would see you know it's a, a new regime in tuscaloosa when the the videos of roll tide Billy and like the recruiting room well yeah. you know this is the first alabama head coach to ever have you know social media accounts so maybe he's already been seeing those videos of roll tide Billy and he was like i gotta get this guy over here <laughs> he's gonna be the guy that helps me land these uh, these five stars um and you know Maybe it worked. Maybe Ryan Williams is ready to recommit to the tide. I know uh, Mbakwe, you know, he, he never decommitted. He says that he's been locked in ever since. You know, he was posting um, over the weekend on Ryan Williams' story, basically like, you know, it's a lock that he's coming here. I'm not going to believe it till I see, you know, the commitment and he's actually on campus. But, you know, I'm excited. And if it takes Roll Tide Willie to get the guys in there, I'm all for yeah. it. I mean, could you imagine being a recruit and – so you have Kalen DeBoer on, in front of you, and then to the, like the left is you got you know Coach Cedric, you've been in the program forever, and the right is Roll Tide Willie, <laughs> and like those are the guys who are like, yeah, you should come here. You know, one guy's been around since Bear Bryant, seen the ups and downs of Alabama football. <laughs> the other one is Roll Tide Willie. <laughs> so so uh, another thing, I mean that, um, if if we really want to capitalize on this, right? Obviously, you keep him around, you know, for recruiting purposes. But, you know, they just hired defense coordinator, who's the head coach of South Alabama. Major Applewhite gets put as the head coach of South Alabama now. Do you know who became the offense coordinator? Rob Ezell, who used to play at Alabama, did the Nick Saban impressions yes. and stuff. Can we get him back on the staff just to, you know, get on the phone with the voice and just get people, you know, think Nick Saban's still, you know – in the, I know they say that he's helping out in, you know, potential office in Bryant Denny, but you know, if if you can't get Nick Saban on the phone, get the guy that does the best impression of him. Yeah, get him to call Ryan William. Hey, you should probably stay, man. Like, coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just too funny. Um, so what, like, you know, it, I think it's super interesting. You know, we talk about this whole new wave of staff members coming in. You know, obviously you've got a guy like Courtney Morgan who is 
by all accounts, a legendary figure in the player personnel world. Um, you know, you got a guy like that coming to Alabama. Um, I th- believe he's like Alabama's first, Alabama football's first ever like general manager. Yeah. Which like, I, I guess college front offices are going to look like NFL front offices now. Like, yeah. Uh, it's it's just it's weird. Crazy. It's very weird. And I guess Nick Saban was just the GM for 17 years. <laughs> I guess him and Belichick actually rival very like they are very easily comparable now with because they were both probably GMs for for a long time but like you know it's also there's a lot a lot more you got to do now that isn't just coaching college football if you're a college football coach. And someone you probably don't want to do all of it and so might as well get the best in the business to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I'll be curious to see, you know, how much more like things like the social media department and the like recruiting and like Mm -hmm. the NIL game, like how much that sort of stuff is going to step up now that, you know, really like maybe besides like Cedric, like the last of like the old guard at Alabama is kind of out the door which is really a weird thing to say and mm-hmm. but i mean you know a new new faces bring new possibilities even if that is roll tide willie showing up on campus i cannot believe that video is a real thing i couldn't believe it when i saw it no yeah i couldn't <laughs> either that's crazy anyway uh we're gonna take another break uh we'll be with you until the top of the hour when we come back here on 90.7 we got to talk alabama basketball so we'll be back here on 90.7 WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Low Tide here on 90.7 The Capstone and streaming live on the TuneIn app. We'll be with you until the top of the hour. And we uh, will always mention that we're streaming on the TuneIn app. Oh, 100%. From now on. Have That's to. way too cool. Have to, right? Also, after, you know, we'll be on, you know, different uh, podcasts, you know, Spotify, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. You can read all of our stuff on gameday.ua.edu. <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to do our full in-house ad read. Um, We'd like to thank the sponsors of today's episode. <laughs> yeah, nobody. Um, um, apparently, Roll Todd Willie, because well, you know we just you know taught taught him up a little bit, but you know he's fun. He doesn't give us money. You know we'll, we'll do his. If for free. he comes on, we <laughs> will gladly take him could, as a guest. Could you imagine? That would that would be we might. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Back on track. We got to talk Alabama basketball. Yeah. Obviously, uh, they went on the road to take on number six Tennessee. Joe, do you want to give us the yeah the recap? Yeah, I can. I can. I can do the best I can. Uh, yeah, Alabama did. They technically played basketball. Uh, played a game against uh, on the road against Tennessee in Knoxville, a place that has given Alabama quite a lot of uh, or, or a lot of problems under um, the last couple seasons. And this one was no different. Tennessee, uh, very clearly the better team. They won the game ninety-one to seventy-one. Uh, Alabama. I mean, it was just one of those games that you could tell by maybe ten minutes into the first half. It was not, you know. It was going to be pretty much all Tennessee uh, the whole time. Alabama had, I believe, it was five turnovers in the six in the first six minutes of the game. 
um, or something like that. They finished the game with 22 turnovers to Tennessee's seven, and um, pair that with below 20% um, three-point shooting, and yeah, you just kind of have a, a, a recipe for disaster. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get on to Alabama in a little bit, but you know, Tennessee, number six in the country, they're obviously a very good team. Um, they had uh, three starters uh, getting to double figures. They had four players getting to double figures, um, led by uh, Dalton Connect, I believe is how you actually you know, pronounce it. Um, he had 25 points, and it wasn't even really his best game, uh, but he let the volunteers uh, in, in scoring. And then on the Alabama side of it, Alabama had one player in double figures, and that would be Mark Sears, uh, who else, who uh, put up 22 points. And he actually, I, I will give him credit, he never really stopped. I mean, it was not his best game. He had seven turnovers, um, you know, started the game pretty slow, was only one of three from, from behind the arc. But uh, you could kind of see the, the the entirety of the game he was given it. I mean, some guys, it, the body language just wasn't right there, and that's natural. I mean, you're down – I think at some point Alabama was down 27 was the largest deficit of the game. Um, and you know, Mark Sears was still out there busting busting his butt to, to try and make some plays. But, yeah, it was – it was just a, a, a just total disaster um, that, you know, the box score doesn't even help Alabama out at all. You know, it's, it's just a – it was a tough game. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, I was not able to watch it this weekend. Well, it might be fortunate for me not having to watch yeah. what happened on the court. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was working um, over at – adapted athletics and stuff so I was a little preoccupied wasn't able to you know actually watch the the broadcast of the game but you know I got to thinking you know when was the last time we played Tennessee in Coleman I was thinking the exact same thing it seems like it's so far ago ago, but it was actually so it was 2021 it was December 29 2021 but they've only played Mm, twice since then (laughs) so but anyway you know they, they won that game uh, seven, Alabama won that game 73-68, so that was also the last time Alabama's beat Tennessee. The last two games, Tennessee has won 68-59, the 91-71. Do you know this this game was the first time Tennessee scored over 70 points against Alabama since 2019? Huh. They had scored in their last f- three matchups 68 in every single one, and then the one before that 63, then 69 uh, when they won 69-68 in – 2020 but then that was back when they still played you know two well they they at least played each other both twice that season uh, i know now it like rotates who you play twice mm-hmm. in the season and everything but yeah it's tennessee has not been known to have an offense that can put up 91 points and the trouble with alabama so far this year has been when they can't play defense and when they get into foul trouble and stuff and you know it, it came back to bite them again but maybe this has happened, you know, each of the last few years. Whenever Alabama loses like that, their basketball team, Nate Oates, has been able to, you know, refocus them. And they've went on, you know, Terry, like last year even. They they lost, I believe it was to Oklahoma in a game that was like never close, just looked like they, yes. you know, were out of it the whole time. And then they won like <laughs> – 12 games. I don't remember the exact number, but they went on a huge tear right after that. Yeah, they lost by 30 points to mm-hmm. Oklahoma on the road. I remember that. Yeah. Um, even that, like, the 2021, like, the SEC title team, like, went on the road and lost by, like, 
16 to Arkansas. So, you know, they still have everything ahead of them. One thing I will say that is pretty concerning is that this specific Alabama team really struggles with big, strong teams. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very – I've said this all year, right? It's very clear that Bediaco was supposed to be on this team. Yeah. Like, they have a massive hole, like, down low. It's – yeah. It's tough. It's, and then, I mean, you know, you got Wagi, who's, uh, who's been hurt and stuff. Yeah. So he's and, still not and, 100%. And they've had problems all year, um, essentially, with just that position. I mean, I don't. I mean, Nate Oates has, has played Wagi and Pringle uh, and started them both at, you know, kind of throughout the season at points, whether through injury or just decisions. But. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough. I mean, you know, when when if you go back into the season when Alabama had that three-game stretch of, you know, Purdue, Creighton, Arizona, Wagi and I believe Pringle fouled out in all three of those games. I think Wagi fouled out in two of them, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, it's just that's just a, a position that Alabama can't, can't afford to be lackluster in because they're playing a lot of these teams like you've – like you mentioned, Mick, whenever they play one of these tough physical teams that can match them on talent. I mean, Missouri, when they played Missouri, Missouri was tough and physical, but Alabama pulled away late because of there was a, a kind of a, a somewhat clear talent gap between kind of the, the starting five of the, or the players on the court for each team. Tennessee can match up and guard you man-to-man. You know, Auburn's going to be able to do that. When they play Kentucky, Kentucky's going to be able to do that. Um, and that's just a real – big worry for Alabama because it's something that you know when when you look at Nate Oates in the past couple of years when they've struggled with defense it has been guys you know like you know Betty Yako had you know good stretches last season Herb Jones was kind of the, the staple of what Nate Oates wants like his centers to be like someone who can shoot the ball get rebounds hustle for plays and Alabama just doesn't quite have that edge and and, and I will say um you know, Adam, to, to go along with your point about kind of how the loss sometimes ignites Alabama, they are they do have a schedule that could be prone to a little bit of a run. Um, they play Auburn at home on Wednesday, and I'd highly recommend people be there because that is uh, probably I, I wouldn't say it's like a a, a, a must win because it's basketball and you're going to play a lot of games, but this is probably a, a very as close as you can to have a must win because after Auburn you're going to play LSU at Georgia Mississippi State and then at Auburn and if you can beat Auburn and in theory you should beat LSU Georgia uh, and Mississippi State you're going to go back into I forgot what Auburn the jungle I guess is what the jungle Um, Neville Neville Arena you know nicknamed the jungle student section everything real crazy down there now so. Coming into this past weekend, Auburn and Alabama were the last two undefeated mm-hmm. in conference SEC teams. Obviously, Alabama lost by 20 to Tennessee. Auburn kept rolling. Auburn is on an 11 game winning streak. Yeah. Since losing in Boone, North Carolina to Appalachian State, 69 64, they've won 11 in a row, all by double digits. And yeah. now they come into Coleman. And, you know, I make, I make this joke a lot when, like, out when we're talking about. You know, sport like I was actually talking about the uh, at the women's basketball game with a, a couple of people. You know, Auburn's women had just beaten LSU right before LSU came into Alabama, and Alabama had a lead against LSU at halftime, and then mm-hmm. LSU pulled away. 
and I made the you know the joke that I I feel like a bunch of people say it, but you know they had to lose the game right before to refocus them, and hopefully that Tennessee loss and the history of Nate Oates being able to refocus a team, they're able to refocus. So Wednesday night in Coleman is a bounce back to knock Auburn out from the yeah. SEC undefeated. And and I will say too, obviously you mentioned the eleven game winning streak for Auburn. Um, they're really, I mean comparatively, there, there hasn't been that many impressive wins like teams that they've beat in this stretch uh of runs i mean you can look at at arkansas to beat them by what was that 32 it's 83 51 so yeah, yeah so 32 32 that's an impressive yeah. scoreline to beat a team on yeah. the road by that much in league but i mean you know it, it it's they're coming in they just beat Ole Miss, who's also a very good team uh kind of convincingly as well by 23 i think so yeah i mean the, their closest game was 11 to a and m yeah yeah and and part of this 11 game winning streak is unc Asheville, usc alabama state chattanooga and penn um and 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 that is just i am not saying i'm not going to say that that takes away from auburn because they are a very very good and very talented team um but I, it's just i i wonder if there might just be a little bit of of comfort with Auburn right now it, that Alabama they're gonna have to Auburn's gonna have to come to Tuscaloosa ESPN's giving Alabama a 64% chance to win this game um it's the which, refocus which I don't know if their like new staff hasn't come in to work yet but that's <laughs> yeah. kind of a crazy number to put um at least it's not Sports Illustrated trying to put this together well, <laughs> their AI generation well, he, oh. here's what I will say about it though blah, blah. with I, I understand like the like they haven't played like the best competition Mm -hmm. but these are their point totals offensively 104 87 91 82 101 88 83 66 and then 93 80 82 and so only one game within 11 points and almost every single one of those except for that one they've been in the 80s or higher Mm -hmm. with a team like alabama who has struggled defensively in every big game that they've had so far that kind of worries me a little bit um hopefully like i was saying the team is refocused and they will come out with the the home court advantage behind you know the crimson chaos and the rest of the fans maybe that energizes them maybe they play better defense but i'd be lying if i said i wasn't worried about auburn's offense going into the game yeah and and just to uh, nick i know you want to say something just real quick i the, the other thing too with auburn is i mean they're their leading scorer, leading rebounder, Johnny Broom, is is a forward, six ten guy who can go inside, get points down low, and um, that's like we talked about Alabama's kryptonite. Like, obviously, maybe even more so than Superman and kryptonite. Like that was like Alabama cannot guard f- these physical down low presences. It's bad. Yeah, it, it's going to be a tough test, right? You know, I think t- like in my mind, right, Tennessee is a Final Four team. Like, they yeah. they are seriously, seriously mm-hmm. good. Ken Palm has them as the second-best defense in the country. Um, they have Auburn as the sixth-best defense in the country and also the ninth-best offense. So that's mi- mildly concerning. Um, they still have Alabama as the best offense in the country, and you can clearly see, like, out of every team in the top – 20 on Kempom. They have far and away the worst uh, defense. Uh, Kempom says they they have the 64th best defense in the country. Hey, they're moving on up. So you can. Uh, <laughs> that is true. They were like uh, in the 100s. You can clearly tell where their uh, where their problems lie. But you know, them if they were able to 
take down Auburn and end that winning streak, it would be a massive boost of confidence and honestly exactly what this team needs. The thing about, like, and the reason why, you know, ESPN's given them, what, like a 60% chance yes. to win the game? The reason why you have to give them a chance like that is because they have three, like, bucket getters. And mm-hmm. Mark Sears is playing, in cre- like, out of his mind. Yeah. Um, which yeah, he's, he's like a – I mean, I don't know if he'll get on, on to the All-American team, but he's playing at that level. Oh, yeah, certainly. Like. Um, you know, I think, I think it'll be dependent on how Alabama closes out the year. Um, yeah, you, you got to be on a pretty good team to get on to that team, no matter how good of a player you are. But, you know – Man, it's tough stretch for Alabama coming up. You've, especially certainly the two games uh, against Auburn. I would think must yeah. you must win one. Yeah, and you really, I mean, like you really want to win the one at home because three of your next four games are at home. And I mean, we've talked about maybe this a little bit, but I mean, Coleman, you got to be good to get to get like the general fans into that arena. Like, the students will come any day of the week, rain, rain, snow, sleet, whatever. They will come and watch Alabama basketball. You got to win a game like this to kind of galvanize, I think, and get momentum just in the program from a a fan base perspective again because that might be slipping just a little bit. Um, But, yeah, I mean, still Alabama's – I will say Alabama is still a very talented team. They have a lot of the players. um, And they're averaging – I put this in – uh, my my game article, which will come out later. Uh, I, I believe I calculated they're averaging like a hundred points at home, on, which, t- granted, does take into account games against Moorhead State, Indiana State, South Alabama, which they all put up over a hundred. Um, so that you know that could be something. You know, Alabama just has to get into a shootout, try to get to a shootout with Auburn. Um, and, and they can maybe take it, but it's just going to be – it's a tough ask. But I, I, I don't uh, – you know, Alabama and Auburn, they're going to meet and they're going to play. I mean, you know, if, if that Auburn football team can challenge the Alabama football team, the basketball team can do just as much. you got to pack that out game. Coleman for that yeah. game. There's no, no way, right? I will, I will say, you know, over the last – you know, last full season and then – you know, this season so far, Alabama's only lost one game at home, and that mm-hmm. was to Clemson earlier this season. Um, last year, undefeated. Last home game of the season last year was Auburn on March 1st, and the place was packed, obviously, trying to win the SEC. You had potential, you know, number one pick. I know it was, you know, some people were still hoping that he could jump up in the number one. He ended up being the number two pick in the NBA draft. And then to finish an undefeated season at home, I know that brought a lot of people in. So this year, with it being earlier and the team's already had this many losses coming off a 20-point loss, you know, it might be a little tough to get those general fans into that arena. But it is Auburn. So. Yes. But then the other thing is, right, is like, less general fans maybe greg Byrne can keep the whole like you know yeah. allowing the students to kind of fill in around because yeah. apparently like well, see at that last game they also like they did away with like the capacity like they it was just like whoever can come in can come in so that that was also a big thing because we ended up having about it was like 800 to a thousand extra students that we are usually not allowed to have yeah yeah, yeah but the whole get everyone i like I, anything you can do i think to spread out the noise in coleman is for the better because it does seem like 
and a lot of those games, like, because I'm sitting away from the student section, it seems like all the noise is on that end of the court, and whoever comes up on the other side isn't getting, like, anything. So, and, yeah. and that Missouri game, like you said, is a good, great example. So we need the media section to be loud. <laughs> yeah, stand up and cheer, media. No, no. no. <laughs> I'll wear my Alabama sweatshirt. <laughs> Get to the press box and cheer. Yeah, never happening. Um, <laughs> I think that's pretty much going to do it for us uh, here on 90.7 Capstone. Thank you, as always, for joining us here on the Low Tide. One more thing before we go. Hmm. Nick Dunlap, fresh oh. off his win uh, at the American Express, was asked uh, if he has any homework due tonight. He said yes, but I'm probably not going to do it. I wouldn't do it either, uh, even though Alabama, the Harvard of the South, as they do say. <laughs> I wonder if I've heard it once or twice. So those words have been said. Uh, But that's going to do it for us. Uh, Thank you for listening uh, and join us same time next week.